Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast, Relationship Building and Psychological Well-Being in the Virtual Environment. I'm Stephanie Menefee, and today we're joined by Dr. Mindy Moll, Associate Director of Faculty Support and Development in the School of Social and Behavioral Sciences here at North Central University. Dr. Moll, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us about well-being in the virtual work environment. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I appreciate being here. This is a great topic to be discussing, uh, and I look forward to our chat. Oh, me too. Uh, And I got to tell you, over the years, you know, we've seen mental health go from something people may discuss quietly with their HR department to something considered a really necessary part of the workplace and even a topic within the scope of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And in the last year or so, um, there's been a really significant amount of research showing that people actually want their employers to talk about mental health. It's something I personally love to see, especially since so many workdays are lost to preventable mental health matters every year. Um, so today we'd, we'd kind of like to talk about relationship building and psychological well-being in the virtual environment where it's significantly more difficult to connect with people to really understand how they're feeling. Um, so to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why this topic is important to you? Sure. So um, I have been with North Central for coming up on seven years now, and my work here at, Vir- at North Central is completely virtual, so I work from my home office, um, but I do, of course, collaborate a lot with my colleagues. Um, my role I, is as the Associate Director of Faculty Support and Development within the Department of Psychology, um, and my degree, my PhD, is also in psychology. So that in and of itself probably tells you that I'm a little bit interested in psychological well-being as it is, but uh, especially given my job where uh, my role is to really ensure that faculty feel supported, uh, try to encourage faculty engagement, all of those things. Um, It's especially interesting and important to me uh, because I, I, I work virtually and this was the first job that I've ever had where it was completely online. Like I said, I've been doing it for almost seven years now. Um, and prior to that, I worked in a much more traditional face-to-face setting. And And I admit that when I first came uh, into this virtual role, I was a little bit concerned about, you know, what would it be like? Would I feel isolated? Would I feel kind of lonely and disconnected from my colleagues? Um, and I have actually found that not to be the case at all. It's a very different experience than that. But uh, because, you know, I've had that experience and have learned from it, I'm always eager to share that with others. Oh, that's so wonderful. I can tell you're very passionate about it, which uh, (laughs) makes it even more exciting for me to be interviewing you today. Um, So it seems like we're hearing a lot about well-being in many different contexts these days, especially as a topic gains popularity. So can you tell us what exactly you mean when you talk about well-being? Sure. So in uh, relation to my role here at North Central, my job, uh, what I typically think of and and mean when I refer to faculty well-being, or it can, again, be uh, related to any type of employee, um, is is kind of feeling contentment, job satisfaction in your role. um, And in a virtual setting, that is very different, I think, than in a face-to-face setting. 
you know, in order to feel content in your job, whether you're working virtually or in a face-to-face setting, I think you need to feel, first of all, that you understand exactly what's expected of you. You feel capable of doing those things. You feel you have access to the tools that will allow you to do those things. And if you have questions or concerns, you know exactly who to go to and how to get those questions or concerns resolved. Um, And oftentimes that's a little bit clearer to employees in a face-to-face setting. They can walk down the hall and knock on someone's door and ask those questions. Whereas in a virtual setting, it's not always so obvious. Um, And so when I first meet, for example, with people who are hired new to teach in my department, that's one of the things I stress a lot is we want you to feel supported. Um, And being supported virtually kind of looks and feels a little bit different, uh, but it very much contributes to their well-being. If they feel like they're not supported, if they feel disconnected, if they feel they're not quite sure how to navigate this online space, then likely they won't have that sense of well-being in their role. Um, And so for me, a big part of well-being in this type of workplace is feeling supported and being engaged. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for that context. And it actually takes us perfectly into the meat of our podcast today. Um, So for anyone who's spent time uh, working in the virtual environment, it's no surprise to hear that picking up on well-being cues is significantly more difficult than in the face-to-face environment, especially for teams who don't work in close collaboration. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about the communication challenges, both real and perceived, present in the virtual environment? Sure. So I think um, in a virtual setting the kind of default mode of communication tends to be email, right? So you're reading a message from somebody and when you reply to them, they're just simply reading your message, right? They don't have all of those other cues such as tone of voice and and body language, uh, um, a smile, those types of things. Um, And so because we do have to rely on email communication so often, I think it's really, really important to always be mindful of that while you're not only you know, typing up a response and being sure you convey exactly what it is you want to convey, but also keeping that in mind when you're reading somebody else's email that may come off as harsh, for example, to you, and perhaps it wasn't intended that way at all. So try to kind of take it with a grain of salt if you can. Um, That's one challenge in particular. Um, And because of that, I I actually do try to encourage uh, faculty and students and and faculty to faculty kind of colleague communication, if possible, to kind of occur face-to-face or synchronously through tools uh, such as video conferencing and things like that. I I think that not only do you have more cues then in order to be able to understand what it is that that person is conveying, but I think, you know, seeing someone's face when you talk to them, which of course, you know, you can hear someone's voice when you're talking to them over the phone, but being able to also see their face through some type of video conferencing, not only, again, helps you to be able to read them, but it, I think it uh, kind of creates a, a stronger sense of connection and engagement between those two individuals. Now, that's, of course, not always possible. Like I said, I think the default mode is email communication. Um, but simply being mindful of those things can be very helpful. So you mentioned video chat. Um, are there any other ways that those working in a virtual setting could begin building relationships across their virtual workspaces? 
Yeah, I think that one thing that is different in a virtual setting compared to working in your more traditional face-to-face setting is that individuals need to be much more intentional about building those relationships and connecting with one another. Um, And so looking for ways to do that, whether it's through, um, so again, here at North Central University, we have something called the Commons, which is kind of an online meeting space. And I often encourage new faculty to go there and, and kind of chime in and, and perhaps post their own questions. It's a way to connect with colleagues and even students and, and other uh, people who work at North Central. Um, so kind of looking for avenues for connections. Um, maybe, you know, if, if you're able to participate in some type of committee work, for example, that is um, across the university. It, get, it gives you an opportunity to get to know with, get to know and work with others as well. So being very intentional, looking for those opportunities, because again, they often don't just happen naturally like they might in a face-to-face setting. You're not going to walk down the hall and bump into somebody. You're not going to be having lunch at the you know faculty dining center and start up a conversation with a fellow colleague. Um, so I, I think that that's one thing that people need to keep in mind um, is to, to really look for opportunities opportunities and be intentional about it. And that's something that's probably a little bit different in the virtual setting. Yeah, intentional. I love that you use that word because there is that, um, you know, we don't get to just walk down the hall and have that water cooler conversation. So you really do have to kind of seek out opportunities. Um, So once that base relationship is built, Do you have any specific tips for staying connected to your virtual colleagues and sort of engaged with the work of the team? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I mentioned earlier that when I first came to work at North Central, I was a little concerned, you know, would I feel disconnected? Would it feel very isolating? And that, in fact, I've had the opposite experience. And I think part of the reason that I've had the opposite experience where, in fact, I do feel very connected to those with whom I work and very engaged with my work is because. I was fortunate enough to to start working with a team that already had these kinds of systems in place, if you will. Um, And so we do, you know, I know a lot of places, whether you're virtual or not, there's kind of regular meetings scheduled. Uh, But it's not just a meeting of a group getting together to talk about whatever project it is that they're talking about. But um, I have several, for example, standing meetings on my calendar where it's just, hey, let's get together and chat. There isn't necessarily an agenda. Um, So, for example, there's uh, another person who has a similar position as me uh, in my school but works with faculty in a different department. And we get together very regularly. Oftentimes it's kind of, you know, while we're having lunch or something, right? So kind of simulating what you might experience in a face-to-face setting, but just kind of chatting about what's going on in your world. And so, again, it has to be intentional. It's kind of scheduled because it's not going to happen naturally, but but kind Kind of making that a priority and putting that on your calendar if, if that's what you need to do. Um, and, you know, obviously there's there's other ways too. when I think of other colleagues with whom I work um, that I still feel very, very connected to, even if we're not actively working on a project at that time. Uh, and part of it, again, is just that regular check-in. Um, I might only see these people once a year in person and sometimes not even that often, uh, but yet I still feel very connected with them and, and to them because I, I think that you just make it a priority. 
You do. And, and something you said there, um, I think it's worth also mentioning that uh, the delicate balance between the informal and the yes. formal communications, because, you know, that lunchtime is the time for you to get together with your colleague and have that more informal connection, which which it sounds to me probably goes a long way with the whole, you know, subject of well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Um so, and you, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but for anyone who's wondering why it's so important to connect with colleagues in the virtual environment as we talk about well-being, can you tell us a little bit about how doing so can help employees experience greater job satisfaction and productivity and, you know, just general happiness and contentment? There's actually a lot of research. Uh, and in fact, uh, if anyone just kind of Googled connection between um, job satisfaction and engagement for just as an example, um, you'd be able to find a lot of evidence out there that points to that. And and what I mean by engagement, by the way, is a word that is used in a lot of different ways, I think, in different organizations and different settings. What I think of when I think of employee engagement is not just being kind of the obvious ones, like being dedicated to your work and enjoying your work. That kind of obviously goes along with job satisfaction, but also kind of getting to see the bigger picture of what it is that you do and how you contribute, what what is your piece of the puzzle. Um, and so to use faculty as an example at North Central, it's not just about teaching that one specific course, but, but understanding where that course fits in with a program and what are the goals of that program? What are students who are uh, pursuing that degree likely wanting to do with that degree? And also even in a, a larger context than that, understanding the mission of the university. Um, and I think kind of having that big picture, it is motivating. And it also, again, it helps you see the piece that you're playing and where you're, where you fit into the puzzle. And in order to do that in a virtual setting, you, you can't just go in and teach your course and be done with it. You need to understand what else is going on at the university level. So again, that might be committee work. It might be uh, attending and tuning into those large university-wide meetings, which are not necessarily required, but all of those things allow you to get that bigger picture which allows you to kind of have that stronger sense of engagement and allows you to connect with your colleagues. And all of those things, employee engagement in particular, is definitely linked with job satisfaction um, because you not only have done your job well, but you, you feel that you are contributing to something larger than just the specific thing that you're doing. Um, and again, that experiencing that uh, job satisfaction and um, feeling that level of engagement again, has also been found to be related to just higher levels of well-being, happiness, and contentment. That's fantastic information. And and since you're giving us all this great insight <laughs> today, uh, I think it might be helpful for our listeners to talk a little bit about how you design your workspace to promote general well-being. You know, can you share any well-being-centric workspace design tips with us? Yeah, so this is actually something that I um, I enjoy talking about, especially enjoy talking about, I should say, because my personal kind of journey with this was, well, to be honest, it was kind of years in the making. <laughs> um, as I said before, when I first started working for North Central, it was the first time I was completely online, completely virtual. So really, you know, in my home office, eight plus hours a day, whereas before I was, you know, kind of in my office, I'd walk down to the classroom, I'd teach, you know, I was moving around a lot more, basically. And so I went to this much more kind of sedentary uh, work, if you could uh, put it that way. And I really had to 
make some adjustments. Um, so just to kind of give you a, a, a glimpse into the journey, I initially started off thinking, well, this is great, right? I love working from home. I can, I can sit on my couch with my laptop and work if that's what I want to do that day, or I can be in my office, or I can sit at my kitchen counter. And um, for me, and another thing I want to stress is everyone's different, but, but for me, what that ended up causing was that I just worked all the time. <laughs> because no matter where I was in my house, it was like I'd set up a workspace. And so I was working a lot. <laughs> and I was starting to feel like an, I was having an imbalance, a work-life imbalance. And, and so I had to kind of create little rules for myself, if you will. And that was, okay, I only work in my home office. Um, and I've created a workstation where I stand most of the day now. The first couple of years I worked, I sat most of the day. And and I found myself getting sleepy and my back was often hurting and things like that. And so now I have a standing desk where, you know, 75% of the day I stand and I also build in breaks. Um, so I don't stand and work at my desk for more than an hour and a half or so straight. If I can help it, I'll take a little uh, break to maybe it's just to walk out into the kitchen and get a glass of water or go into the backyard with my dog for a couple of minutes. But again, that movement around, moving around that often is a natural part of a non-virtual workspace um, that you, again, it's a, I think you just have to be so much more intentional when you're working virtually. And that's another thing. So kind of figuring out the ergonomics that work for you, for me, standing is just much better for me than, than sitting. It's, I, it's better for my body. My back doesn't hurt as much, but it's also better for my productivity. Uh, I feel like I have more energy and I, I don't have that afternoon slump like I used to. So again, building the physical workspace, but also kind of creating guidelines for yourself, if you will. Um, for me, I prefer kind of the traditional working hours, nine to five-ish, but I have colleagues who don't prefer that because perhaps they have younger children at home. And so they kind of have their own work schedule. Uh, again, this is the kind of job where you can do those things and uh, which is to me a great perk of a virtual role. But, you know, I, I think what's most important is being aware of yourself, understanding what does and does not work for you. And, you know, if you feel like, oh, you know, because again, if you get that afternoon slump, if your back's hurting, all of those things, that's going to feed into you not liking your job so much. <laughs> um, and so, and in that situation, it's important to realize it's not necessarily your job, but maybe you need to design your work setting a little bit differently. So this is so great. It sounds like the communication and the relationship building pieces and the workspace rules right. really go hand in hand in the whole, you know, larger well-being scheme. I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. So are there any other virtual work strategies for improving psychological well-being you could share with us? Yeah. So um, I mentioned it earlier of, of kind of being aware of yourself, but, you know, I think it's also important to keep in mind that what works well for you now might not work well for you, you know, months down the road. And so being open to making changes. Um, and so, you know, this is uh if you're feeling isolated, even though you're connecting with others, you know, I, I know some people who uh, prefer to a couple of days a week, for example, set up a workstation somewhere else where it's a little bit more social, where they might be able to connect with somebody such as at a coffee shop or at a library or something like that. And so being aware of your options and being aware that what works for you now could change. And so therefore kind of being mindful of that and being open to that. Uh, and it might change seasonally too. I know that, for example, you 
you know, I, I work from home and I have two children. And so when they're in school, think my needs are a little bit different than when they're home during the summer and they're not in school. Um, and so being flexible kind of goes hand in hand with being self-aware. But but sometimes, and I know I'm guilty of this, you know, sometimes when I find something that works, and especially if it works for a while, if, if it stops working, I might not recognize the source of, you know, that strife that I'm experiencing. Uh, and so taking the time to reflect, to be mindful of what's happening, um, all of those things uh, are important. Wow, this is really fantastic information you're sharing with us. Are there any additional pieces of advice or bits of wisdom you could leave with us today? <laughs> um, I, you know, thinking back to everything I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but <laughs> but I, I would go back to that, you know, piece about being intentional. Um, and, you know, I, I think that trying new things, like, for example, I've, I work with a lot of colleagues who were initially very uncomfortable on camera. And so the idea of hopping on a video chat, they just kind of felt awkward and didn't want to look at themselves on the screen while they were talking with somebody else. And I think for, I think everyone can relate to that. But kind of putting your kind of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone uh, when you're working virtually is really important. I mean, I, I was in the same boat. I did not want to be on a camera at all. <laughs> um, and now I'm very comfortable with it. And I, I look at it as a way to, to connect with other people. Um, you know, they can see my face. I can see their face. I think it's an important piece to it. Uh, and so whenever I schedule meetings with faculty with whom I'm working, for example, my preferred mode is video conferencing. And if they can't for whatever reason, then of course I'm happy to pick up the phone. But I really encourage that with colleagues and with students with whom I'm teaching as well. Um, I think it's important to to explore things you're not so comfortable with at first. In the virtual world, new technologies are, are great. They can make our lives much more, our, our work much more efficient. Uh, but because they're new to us, they can sometimes make us feel uncomfortable. So I guess that's another little tip I would give is, is go outside of your comfort zone because before you know it, it'll likely be something you're comfortable with. Dr. Mull, thank you so much for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insights, and we know our listeners will benefit from your experience. Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed speaking with you today, Stephanie.